0: Michelle Sakazaki and I have been friends for over 10 years. We met through my best friend Chris in New York City, however she's now based in San Francisco. She's a designer by trade and has historically enjoyed free time surfing and playing golf. But these days, she serves as the founder and operator of Kazumi Wines, a boutique wine label produced in California's esteemed Napa Valley. I was recently in the Bay Area where we discussed how one goes from designing apparel for Armani To starting a wine label and what it's like being a woman in a perceived man's world and starting a business in a saturated industry I'm your host Wesley Smith and you're listening to the Standard Age podcast Michelle welcome to the podcast thank you Um, before we start what are we drinking
1: we are drinking uh, Kazumi Wines, 2017 Sauvignon
0: Blanc. Really, really refreshing. Uh, love it. As far as uh, the beginning, let's just start at the beginning. Okay. Tell me about where you're from. Where were you born?
1: I was actually born here in California, in Sacramento. Um, but then my parents, um, they grew up here, but when they, after they met, they moved to Japan uh, for work. And so I was born here, but um, I grew up in Tokyo. Okay. Yeah. And I went to an American school there. It's called ASIJ American School in Japan. Really easy to remember. And I spent all my childhood up until um, high school, graduated. And after that, I came over here for college. Great. Yeah.
0: So, and where'd you go? You went went to to UC Davis. Davis. That's right. How far from Chico are you? Big beer Um, scene in Chico, I know.
1: I know. I don't really know how how far is it. Maybe a few hours. Sorry. My geography is not that great. But from San Francisco, Davis is only about an hour and a half. Yep. It's um, half an hour away from Sacramento. Okay. So my mom's from Sacramento. My grandparents were there. So that was one of the reasons I interesting. It was either Berkeley or Davis that I wanted
0: to I'm learning all kinds of things today. Um, Well, that's cool. (laughs) And what did you study there?
1: I studied um, textile and costume design.
0: Oh, okay. So not viticulture, obviously. Not
1: viticulture. I did take one class. Right. Viticulture and ology. It was like the intro class and it was very difficult. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And it was funny. Uh, I took it because my parents—they've um, had a home in Napa for over twenty years. And when I was when I got to college, like, well, Davis is you know famous for the viticulture andology, um department. You should take a class just to see. Yeah. So I took it, and I barely passed. I mean, you know, it's difficult. There's there's geography. There's you know chemistry, plant biology. There's all sorts of stuff. And um, afterwards, I told them. <laughs> It's like, you know what? I don't think you should ever go into the wine business. <laughs> that was my advice. That's,
0: that's what they said to you? No, that's, that was my advice to That was to your them. advice to them. <laughs> I see. Well, I know you speak Italian. I do. Why? <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> um, so, like I said, I went to Davis for textile and costume design. And right. afterwards, I decided I wanted to get into fashion design. Got it. Um, and so, after I graduated... um. Originally, I wanted to move back home to Tokyo and try mm. to do fashion there. But my parents urged me to go somewhere else. They're like, you know, it's a big world. You're young. Go challenge yourself somewhere, you know, never been because you could always come home. Sure. So I packed up two suitcases and I decided to move to Italy. And that's insane. It is kind of insane. I, I had um, I had a lot more courage back then. I think. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> well, that's what youth will bring. I right? <laughs> you know, right?
0: No inhibitions. Um,
1: And then, yeah, I learned the language there. I first took uh, intensive language courses Mm -hmm. for about six months, and then um, tried to find work. But you know, it's difficult being a foreigner overseas. um, And finally, decided I'd go back to grad school. Um, So I did. I got my uh, master's in um, fashion design. in Milan. Okay. In Milan. Yeah. That was my
0: next question. Actually, is what city you were in? Cool.
1: At um, the Marangoni Institute
0: and how long were you there just technically one year oh just the, the one year for the program and oh, okay. then
1: afterwards I stayed on I was lucky enough to get a job at Missoni and I stayed oh, on nice. there for about four years so altogether I was in Italy about almost six years yeah, yeah
0: so you were pretty well immersed then <laughs> there's sip breaks so <laughs> sip break. folks if you uh if you hear a pause it's it's because we're enjoying this this nice wine of hers <laughs> so then how did you end up in New York City
1: so after about six years in Italy, um, I was just homesick. Um, and so I decided, okay, I think it's time to move back to the U.S. And, you know, I just knew that be California, that's, you know, where my family is from and most of my friends and relatives. But um, I figured, you know, there isn't much here fashion-wise. Sure. So I decided I think New York would be a good you know city to move to um, where I wouldn't have as much of a culture shock, too. As well, you know, over there it's very international, more European, bigger right. city. Um, so yeah, I decided just to pack up my stuff again, move back, and um, yeah, got lucky enough to find a job at uh, Armani Exchange.
0: And you were there how long?
1: I was there almost three years. Three, yeah, oh, okay, it didn't last very long, right. in New York. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know, I guess because I met you there, I guess yeah. I just figured you had been there forever. Like, no. I mean, I'd, other than your stint, obviously, in yeah, Italy and yeah, what yeah. have you, but um. Yeah, it was for a couple years there, knowing Chris, you know, it was more or less like, oh, well, you were just a permanent fixture in New York City. (laughs) Nope, just three years. And then, no, yeah, just three years. Cool. So tell me a little bit about your dad, Jack.
1: Okay, my dad.
0: He was in sports.
1: Yes. Right. And what level? At what level? So he um, created his own uh, sports marketing business. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, uh, how many years? I I would say he did it for over 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, he would do anything from like player management, mm-hmm. uh, mainly Japanese athletes, like tennis players, golfers, um, even rock climbers. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. There's a um, pretty famous Japanese rock climber. Anyhow. So that was like part of the job. But also um, they did, you know, anything related to sports, I guess. Um, a lot of like TV rights, um, sponsor finding sponsors for big events, putting on big events, mm-hmm. things like that. Cool. And, um, he built, yeah, pretty big uh, business over there in Japan doing that.
0: So he then got into the wine business somehow.
1: I know. So, you know, he's much think...
0: much to your detriment, yeah. I guess, or or as far as against your recommendation. Yeah,
1: exactly, <laughs> against my recommendation. Yeah. So, um I guess the first time he ended up in Napa, he I th- he I think he went to Silverado Resort, uh the golf course to check check it out for an event. And I think this was in the 80s maybe. Yeah. And he fell in love with Napa. Plus, you know, he had known it cuz he went he grew up in Fresno, but went to UC Berkeley, so it wasn't far. Um, and he fell in love with Silverado, the area and he decided, you know, he would love to live there one day, maybe retire there, um, bought a home, but you know, for years he was just too busy running his business in Japan. He never was able to really stay in Napa. Um, and then about 10 years ago, uh, he sold his business and he decided finally, I'm going to retire in Napa. So he comes and he's just, you know. Like a annual retiree playing a lot of golf, right. you know, having fun. But then um, after about six months, he I think he just got a little bored. Yeah, <laughs> that, so, that,
0: that I hear that happens a lot yeah. actually. Um, as fun and, as golf can be, exactly. you get bored. <laughs> I, you get
1: bored. Since Silverado is in Napa, mm-hmm. um, a lot of his golfing buddies are winery owners actually, and some of his good friends, you know, started asking, "Hey, you know, um, isn't there any way you could help us promote you know Napa wines?" In Asia. Right. And so him and a couple of his good friends, you know, came up with this idea of having this international wine club.
0: And what was that called?
1: 90 plus wine club. And that's what happened 10 years ago. He started this business. Um, Is it still going? It's still going. Sweet. Yeah. And And that's
0: kind of how you cut your teeth in the wine business? And I'm
1: still working with him in that business. Yeah.
0: So I'm sure you've learned a ton. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. So what kind of crossover has there been like having moved from New York City in a creative type role at AX.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How does that translate to the wine industry or does it?
1: So in the beginning, I, I, it, I kind of struggled with it. I felt like I, I wanted a break from, yeah. you know, design in general, but, um, I did miss the creative aspect of it. And that's where, um, uh, my own wine brand, cause of me wines came into play. Um, with that, uh, I decided, uh, that I would start making my own wine first. It was, more just to learn a little bit more of that side of uh, the wine business. Because, mm-hmm. you know, with the 90 Plus Wine Club, I was doing a lot of marketing and sales and things right. like that. But I didn't really get to see the back, you know, the, I guess the, not the back room. Like but kind yeah. of the creation, yeah, the creation of the product part. as yeah. opposed to
0: the distribution.
1: Exactly. So, um, I mean, that was part of my way of bringing, you know, my kind of design creative side together with, um, you know, what I was currently doing with uh, within the wine business.
0: So when did Kazumi begin technically uh,
1: technically uh, this is my fourth i've just completed my fourth vintage uh, oh, sauvignon wow. Blanc. yeah oh okay so four years ago yeah and um i mean part of it was kind of just luck um mm-hmm. one of my good friends her parents owns a vineyard um in saint helena in mm-hmm. napa mm-hmm. and they just happened to have some extra grapes and they knew like i've had wine you know made from their sauvignon blanc um, grapes before and i really loved it they knew that i've you know was liked their grapes and their wine, and when they had that extra half ton of grapes, they said, "Hey, do you want to do you want to take the grapes and try making wine?" <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, sure." And that's how it how it started.
0: Right. Yeah. So that's really interesting because I think if it, it, maybe for the layperson, right, like yeah. you probably just anticipate the only way to become a winery, so to speak, mm-hmm. or a, a winemaker, yeah. or actually have a bottled product. Mm-hmm. Is to, oh my goodness, I have to buy a 100,000 acres <laughs> yeah. and grow all these, you know, old vine zens yeah. and <laughs> or what have you. Super monetarily intensive. Yes. So many makers out there, right? So many of these bottles mm-hmm. are really just bought grapes. Exactly. Like you've got your growers. Yep. Maybe you can touch on kind of the structure of the industry a little yeah, bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, of course, you know, I mean, the more traditional what everyone thinks of a winery is you know an actual physical location where they have vineyards where you know they they plant and cultivate and harvest all the grapes and then from those grapes they make um wine and then of course um and then there's wineries like like mine where um you just purchase grapes from growers and then you there are facilities like some wineries um they have you know extra facility space that they lease out to people and then there's places like where i get my um grapes uh or my wine made what they're called custom crush facilities and there's a lot of small producers like me where we share the space basically you pay and you share you know the equipment and and you make your wine there so there's quite a few brands you know at the winery that um where i make my wine that's super interesting yeah
0: yeah, I mean I guess it's sort of like in the apparel industry, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can have a manufacturer yeah. and they manufacture or sew. Yeah. Like you get bet fabric from wherever and it's all going to the same sewer, but exactly, for different yeah. brands based on different patterns. Exactly. And so yeah, you've yeah. got different taste profiles exactly. and things that you like. You just and wanna...
1: use the same their facilities, their equipment. Right. Even the people that work there. That's um that's so cool. they do, you know, the work for you if, if you want them to. Yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah. Now what's that? process like from like start to finish say obviously you you would have something in mind that Uh you like based on the taste profiles of wines you've tasted before and you're like well this is what i want kazumi to be in this iteration so what's that like um and start to finish time like what i don't even have a clue what that's like
1: well for me first of all you know like you said i had to figure out you know what is it that i want to portray like What's the, what's the style that I would like? Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, you know, I picked the name Kazumi. First of all, it's my middle name. And at Kazu, uh, in the Japanese character, it means harmony or peace. And me the character for me is beauty. So I thought it was the perfect name, you know. I mean, it's my name. Too, but it's the well, per- <laughs> I mean, it's let's, name. Let's, let's be honest <laughs> here.
0: It's pretty perfect. <laughs> yes
1: yeah so uh i thought it would be a good fitting name for for an image for you know for wine sure i i wanted to my you know goal is to make um you know harmoniously beautiful wine that portrays you know the the where it's from yeah terroir yeah
0: well i think it's cool i mean i i mean i could speak to that on a a little bit of mm-hmm. a level with standard h yeah. obviously it's kind of a double entendre of yeah. sorts it's it's a descriptor as well as a name. Yeah. So I can identify with that. Yeah. So I'm a little biased. I think that's a really good name for that reason. <laughs> yeah. We were able to hang out in Japan. Yes. In 2014. That's right. Which was kind of uh, really special that for me. That really was fun. Um, you shared an amazing sushi restaurant yes. with me. That's and right. my buddy Brent. Yes, who's awesome. Who's yeah. now our buddy, I'm going to assume. Yeah. He he lives up the street now. I know. Oh, does he really? He Yeah, moved? he's in uh, Pack Heights. Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: I was I texting him earlier stuff, stuff on Facebook and stuff. That's it, it's
0: funny. I, I, I was texting him earlier not to get too off topic, right. but, um, I was trying to meet up with him earlier and it's just kind of crazy today. But, um, what up Brent? <laughs> <laughs> Hi. I uh, hope you're listening. Uh, so what are some of your fondest memories of Japan? Just to rewind for yeah. a second, not just the time we spent yeah. with each other, but just like growing up in Japan and seeing your dad grow his business. Yeah. Like, and, and also like what kind of influence did he have mm-hmm i mean that's all that you know
1: um so tokyo uh i mean part of it it all like comes into play i think growing up in tokyo i mean in japan and just in general the food the food there is just the culture you know for the food culture is just insane um and i mean sometimes i feel like i grew up a little bit too spoiled like the food was so great that you, you know, flew you
0: first know. class <laughs> <laughs> and now you got a fly coach occasionally. <laughs> Basically, no, got it.
1: Um, but I think that culture, just like you know, the culture of like fresh seasonal food, um, was just you know ingrained in me, and um, I kind of you know carried that through and being and then going to Italy too, likewise.
0: Oh, yeah, like
1: the culture of food and wine, you know, um, and sharing wine over dinner things like that um i think it all comes into play as to why you know i end up in the wine industry and why um i love you know being in this industry and making wine right um because it's such a big part of my culture i think sure sharing great food great wine with friends and family
0: well i'm just in love with japanese whiskey yeah, oh, that too. Uh, as yeah. well <laughs> let me let me just go yeah. ahead and throw that out yeah. there
1: so i mean that's probably like one of my highlights of growing up in japan just i mean food right the culture around yeah.
0: it yeah so it's probably just a big subconscious thing that's yeah. just been running through this whole time yeah that's super cool
1: and then um you were asking about my, my well dad. just like your yeah, yeah your dad's
0: influence like he's been you know yeah. successful and, and uh what kind of influence did he have on you was do you think you got that entrepreneurial kind of itch yeah to scratch from your dad
1: definitely or? I I, I and you know, people say that um, I'm most similar to him personality-wise. Than your sisters? Than my sisters. Um, I mean, we butt heads a lot too. Right. <laughs> we butt a lot. Well, but, that's when um, you know you're similar, exactly. <laughs> um, and so it was, you know, part of the reason why I decided to, you know, help my dad with the 90-plus wine club business was because I, I, you know, I saw he, you know, he was always so determined and successful. Um, and I wanted to learn from him. And he's the type of guy that you know. Unless it's... he, Oh, you would always talk about work and, and business. And he didn't really have, like, that much more in sports. Because, I mean, that was part right, of business sure. as well. Um, but, you know, he, besides that, he he wouldn't sit there and ask me, how are you doing? Like, tell me about your feelings, you know? <laughs> so I realized maybe most fathers aren't like that. But, like... Um, I can't
0: say my dad ever asked me that okay, question. yeah.
1: So I realized, like, to really get to know him, I think the best, you know, way to do this is um, to work with him and to learn from him, you know, what... You know what made him who he is, and you know, um, if I could, if some of that, you know, success could rub off on me, and yeah, sure. Um, I think being with him the lot la- this last nine and a half years working with him, I never, you know, it has, has grown that side of me. Like, I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur or anything like that, you know, right. but I think just being with him and watching him and moving with him, you know, and um, working with him just kind of just led me that way, yeah, yeah, in this direction that. That um was un- unexpected, but, but um, yeah, very uh, rewarding, I guess. Yeah.
0: So well, far, yeah. it's interesting because there's two sides, right? Of mm-hmm. that coin that you have those who say never go into business with friends and family. Yeah. And then you've got folks that were like, oh man, I would only go into business with mm-hmm. friends and yeah. family. Um, Inherent trust, maybe. Totally. Um, He watched you grow up. He yeah. made you yeah. who you are. Exactly. You know, maybe yeah. there's that basis of trust. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Uh Obviously, you're probably more the latter camp, right? Yeah. Um, would you could you foresee Kazumi ever having been done with anybody other than your dad or, uh, or with his influence or uh, is the structure? No. How, yeah, wh-
1: probably not. You know, I, I think he also kind of pushed me to do it. You know, oh, really? Yeah. You know, like this. I think it's time you could do this, you know, because I was a little hesitant. I'm like, oh, I don't know. It seems a little early. You know, I was a little nervous about everything. Um, hmm. But he's the one who helped me. Um, yeah, I guess. Or pushed me to do it.
0: So, so what made you feel it was early?
1: I, I don't know. Because um, how
0: many years were you in it? Like in the industry, six, six years, eight years. Six years yeah. Already? yeah,
1: yeah, um, Well, like the wine business, it, it's difficult, right? Right. Um, saturated. Like you, yeah, saturated. And like you said, like most, the image is that you, you know, you have to have a lot of money to be able to buy a winery and vineyards, and you know, it's a lot. of, It's a big invest, investment, sure. right? Because at least for white wine, um, I could have har- I could harvest and have a wine ready the next year. But for red wine, normally you have to wait at least you know three, four, five years before you could release a product, mm-hmm. and that's quite a bit of an investment uh, sure. to to make. Um, so I was a little nervous about that. Um, yeah, I just needed a little bit of the encouragement, and he gave me that for sure. Him, him, and my mother, of course. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm gonna hit pause. Yep. For just a second. Yes basically to share with everybody else, a couple of people who've made this episode possible, um, passion, fine jewelry in Solana beach, California. It's an amazing store, uh, for all of you independent watch lovers out there, the owner, Tim Jackson, deep understanding of watchmaking and carries everything from speak Marin, Roger W. Smith, Sarpaneva, Roman Gauthier, Gronfeld, Viani Halter, many more, um, If you guys are ever in Southern California, please visit Passion Fine Jewelry. Make a special trip. Um, Also, passionfinejewelry.com for more information. If you're ever in the area, it's worth the trip. Um, Also, partnership with Clear Sound. I'm using their Flow over-ear hybrid noise-canceling headphones, and they are the most comfortable headphones I've ever used. Uh, They have 40-millimeter ironless drivers, hybrid noise-canceling technology, a built-in microphone. They're also strapped with Bluetooth wireless technology with 20 hours of playback. Lastly, the ClearFlow headphones fold up nicely and fit easily into their great zippered case that easily fits in the small backpack that I always have on the plane with me. Uh, you guys should definitely check them out uh, at clearaudio.com. It's C-L-E-E-R audio.com. Um, all right, back to my conversation with Michelle. Uh, an important subject actually that mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up with you being a woman in business mm-hmm. these days, somewhat of a perceived man's world, right? Yeah. The wine business, mm-hmm. or at least from my perspective, yeah, definitely. um, I can only think of a couple, maybe mm-hmm. Kelly Fleming comes to yeah. mind. Um, I'm trying her, to think of
1: wine in, in our wine club. Yeah, 90 plus wine club. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah She's oh, great. Yeah, yeah.
0: she's awesome. Um, and her winery is beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. If you've been, but as, as a woman in yeah. the business, right? Um, How's that been for you? Like, what's Um, that like?
1: I guess for, I don't know. uh, I haven't really felt like the disparity or I haven't really felt um, anything to be like, oh yeah, being a woman, it's hard in this business. Um,
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Which is great, actually. And there's a lot of, you know, great female winemakers out there. Um, But like you said, it is true. There aren't as, I would say it is predominantly more, um, I guess, males uh, in the industry. But you haven't felt it at all, which is... Which is great.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that very fortunate. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, now as far as being a Japanese woman, yes. and the history of Japan and, yeah. and the culture over there, mm-hmm. um, I would imagine you're distributing to Japan as yeah. well. Um, how's that culture shifted over the years? Having grown up there, you know, or, and and spent so much time in Japan, what what's that like? I I have no you visibility. mean for women in general, yeah, like just in like,
1: general or for wine or
0: well, both, sure.
1: Japan's a little different. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, one cool thing that I, you know, what I loved is, you know, my dad, I mean, he built, you know, the sports marketing business with my mother. Oh, um, I didn't yes, know that. Yes.
0: That's so cool.
1: Yeah. It's really cool. And at the end, she, you know, he was the president CEO and she was the CFO. And, um, I mean, you always felt it, you know, growing up there, you know, women are a little bit more submissive. Um,
0: right. I mean, uh, that's the stereotype, yeah, right? And it's,
1: and it's true um, but one cool thing for me, I had a great role model, role model, my mother um, growing up because, you know, sh- she was a boss too. Right. And um, seeing that, I think. Yeah, that it was, it was amazing. It was inspiring for me because you didn't sure. really see it very often in Japan at the time.
0: So that's really cool. You yeah. had two role models yeah. and they were not only just two people of different sexes, but oh, by the way, they happen to birth you yeah, together. <laughs> exactly. yeah. You know what I mean? Like that male and female counterpart to be role models for yeah. you that's that's really intriguing i had no idea yeah. they were that dynamic yeah. duo
1: yeah so i i'm i felt like i was really fortunate seeing. see that. she was you know she's still strong you know but she was very strong too and i think um b- both my both my sisters and i we we were raised to be strong independent women because of that you know that's awesome
0: yeah. Yeah. She looks so sweet in her photos she' <laughs> is <can't. laughs>
1: sweet and tiny, but she's strong <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Yeah. that's so cool, yeah, as I've sort of mentioned. I have no idea what it's like starting a wine business. Yeah. What kind of insights can you provide to you know the winos out there who think they can do the same or want to do the same or think they want to do the same? Mm-hmm. Is there any advice you would give these people
1: um advice maybe
0: jump off points where to start yeah i would do what to research research. yeah Yeah, what books to read
1: um well i mean i took um some courses um which i highly recommend um they're called the wine and spirit education trust cool um and they have from level one all the way to level four um level one meaning you know for anybody any beginner um and you know you don't have to be a sommelier you know to have a certification you could go through that and i think Uh, Those are um, some good classes to start with Um, just so you educate yourself what's out there, not just here locally, but, you know, around the world. You have to know, you know, wines of the world, basically, if you want to get into the business. Um, Yeah. So research, you know, that's the biggest main thing. Know what's out there, price points. um, And then also just for yourself, what do you like? You know, what do you like about a wine? You know, why would you why do you want to make the wine? You know, is part of it for me was because I love to drink it <laughs> and, Sure. and it's nice to have something of my own and I wanted to make something that I could, you know, drink with my friends, my family, right? you know, that I thought would go well with Japanese food, um, things like that. So research, yeah, is definitely huge. Um, and then second, uh, I don't know, let's see. Yeah. And just, just to know your market, like right now Napa it's, you know, cab is, has always been king. And of course I'm coming out with a new Cabernet soon, but you know oh, cool. look yeah. at the market does does the market really need another Cabernet? You know, I Sure. I don't know. And how could you you know make yourself different from what's out there already? hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So And yeah. know
1: that it's always gonna cost way more <laughs> than you think. There's yeah. There's so to make many the
0: parallels with the apparel industry. Yeah, I'm exactly. here. High intensity yep. of capital going into yep. it you know how do you differentiate yourself exactly things of that nature as far as the education is concerned Mm -hmm. do you do you basically say you need to know the world's wines for just comparison reasons kind of knowing what you're up against yes studying the competition
1: you have to study the competition sure not just local you know us california you have to know what's out there and what's being imported right you know and know what you're up against yeah
0: so I hear about things like, oh, it was aged in steel versus <laughs> it's yeah. aged in oak, yeah. French oak, yeah. you know, what have you, the, whatever the material is mm-hmm. for, for barrels. Yeah. What's the difference, really?
1: Well, for instance, my white wine, the yep. one we're drinking right now, Sauvignon Blanc, um, it's, it's not really aged because I guess six months it kind of rests. Um, but this one is uh, resting in a neutral French oak, meaning it's a used uh, oak barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, And a lot of it depends what style you want to make. So for me, I like to have a little bit of more of a rounder mouthfeel. And so I rest my Sauvignon Blanc in a used oak barrel for six months to add this roundness to it and to add a touch, a hint of um, this, what I call like a brioche. Oh, yeah. Brioche flavor, aroma. To the wine.
0: I don't know anybody yeah. that doesn't like brioche. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and if you do, you're not a friend of mine. Yeah.
1: But then other people <laughs> might prefer to have a white wine that's more crisp, you know, and um, easier to drink, crisp, light. Then you would go and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, rest it in uh, stainless steel or concrete, you know. Um, concrete? But yeah, concrete also adds a little bit of mouthfeel as well. There's concrete eggs that are used pretty commonly right now. Interesting. Yeah, for aging um, or resting, yeah, aging uh, white wines. Um, not just white, but red as well. So there's, you know, all these different vessels that you could use. Um, and people use it for, you know, various reasons. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's super cool. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your cab. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. When's it coming out? What's it like? Yeah, I haven't so, had it.
1: No, it's because it ha- it's not released yet. It's oh, coming out. That's a good um, reason. <laughs> yeah, April 27th, I'm having a release party which I know you can't make, unfortunately. Uh, sad, I know. Um, they will be up in Napa, and, um, yeah, that's when I'm debuting my uh, Kazumi Cabernet Sauvignon. It'll be the 2016 vintage. Um, it's, uh, the grapes are from uh, Okno, uh, no, Okno, Oakville, uh, Napa Valley. Um, and, you know, like a lot of the businesses, like I said, my Sauvignon Blanc I get from my friend's, you know, parents' vineyard. This vineyard as well is from my dad's one of his best friends. They they manage and own the um the vineyard, so I'm getting the grapes from them. That's awesome. Yeah, really excited about it.
0: So are they a grower or do they have their own wine as well? Yeah, they have their own wine as well too. Now what kind of blend are we talking here?
1: It's going to be 100% Cabernet. 100%. 100%. Oh wow. Yeah.
0: That's not. Is that often in Napa? In Napa, it's not often. 100%. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would. You know, a lot of cabs are blended. Um, but but. It is pretty common to see 100% um, yeah. Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa.
0: Very cool. Yeah. A little bit back to the business side. Mm-hmm. What's been, say, the hardest part or something that was like unforeseeably hard? And and maybe what was something easier than you anticipated? Like, oh, wow, you know, like I really wanted to do that and I did it.
1: What was really hard for Kazumi wines or just the wine? Sure, industry? for
0: Kazumi, yeah. Like if, if for somebody who wants to start their own business, right? Mm-hmm. Doing, you know, wine... What would you have said that was really, really difficult that you thought was going to be easier, and vice versa? Is there anything that comes to mind? I mean,
1: nothing really comes to mind about that it was really hard. Hmm. Um, at least for Kazumi, I know I was going to say for the ninety-plus wine club, what was really hard is working with my dad.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, just personalities. Personality. Yeah,
1: I think a lot of times, yeah, it is personalities. Right? Yeah, we clashed a lot in the beginning. Right. Um, so it was hard to just, you know for us to find our rhythm until we were at a point where we could, you know, work smoothly together without fighting.
0: Now was that um, choosing the wines in which to distribute or was that no, um, distribution tactics, marketing no, tactics? No,
1: I think it's just more just because he's my father, like the father daughter sure, relationship, right. right? Like, no, whatever you say, no, you're, you're my, you're my little kid. Like you don't, you don't understand. Right. You know, you're not that. my partner exactly. in this,
0: even though you're my partner yeah, in this. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I could see how that. Would so, do. I
1: mean, that's probably probably in any business. The most challenging is uh, working um, personalities, I guess, working with people. Personalities. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the easiest or, what you know, something that I thought was easier actually was actually just starting to make wine, like. Just buy it and then it just started happening and it, it, it was a lot easier than I thought. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I know. Because, you know, I told you I was nervous about it. I was nervous about starting my own wine brand, um, just really feeling kind of unsure uh, about everything. But once you just get the ball rolling, it was, I was like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm making wine now. <laughs> and wow. It tastes good. And
0: So what's that process, though? Because, yeah. I don't know, I'm a sucker for details. Mm-hmm. Um, you buy the grapes. Yes you have to get them to the maker. Yes. To the winery. Who's responsible for transporting the grapes? Oh, to the gro- usually the grower. The you grower it does. It
1: depends on the contract, but yeah, usually the grower will deliver to the winery for you.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. And then you- as just like a, thank you for buying or I guess, it's or just that's just, just how, how it's it structured. Yeah, structured. Yeah,
1: or, yeah. I mean, if they say you have to deliver yourself then it, you know, uh, you go with your pickup truck or whatever and you go pick it up. But, um, yeah, you have the white uh, the grapes delivered. Um, and then you have them processed. So for white wine, um, The grapes come in, they get weighed, and then it goes into a press. Um, Then you press all the juice out.
0: So historically, that's where stomping the grapes comes from? I don't stop. I've grapes. never done that actually.
1: I haven't either. Really? But there's places you can do that. Like up in Napa, I know Peju, yeah. like my Peju um Province Winery. They have like for their wine club members, they have it during harvest time. I think the summertime maybe, where you actually like have like a grape stomp competition. It's kinda cute.
0: I can't believe you've never done that before. No <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. You should do it for Kazumi.
1: Yeah. Well I don't You don't want to touch your grapes no, with your but, feet um, But well another thing is um I use a bladder press which is a very um gentle way of extracting juice and i have a feeling using a feet might be a little bit more rough too harsh yeah too harsh yeah
0: so if i'm using it's a lot more work <laughs> like yeah oh for sure takes longer mm-hmm. i'm sure now as far as the actual pressing goes mm-hmm. you know it, can you damage the wine the same way they, they, you know, like when you put ice and you shake liquor, Yeah, they say you can bruise the liquor. Oh, totally. Right? Is that, is that kind of similar yeah. with wine? I would if imagine have, in the pressing process. Exactly. So right. if you,
1: um, we use the gentlest process, um, for pressing the white wine cause you don't want, um, too much astringency. You know, if you press it, if it's a harsh, it sounds weird to say harsh press, but you might get too much of, you know, breakage in the, in the seeds or, you know, um, unwanted um, astringent flavors from like the stems and mm-hmm. things like that. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that same goes for red wine as well.
0: You touched on pricing. Yes. As being, you know, obviously an aspect of, yeah. of starting the business and running the business. I don't know if I, I, I don't know the pricing structure. I mean, obviously margins in the apparel industry are anywhere from very little to super high. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that, I mean, what's traditional for the industry? Is it like, it, I think it would be the industry yeah, apparel for industry. apparel. apparel be, yeah. Yeah. I think it would be, there's like wholesale similar. distribution, exactly. 2.5 or whatever exactly. it is. Yeah. Interesting. Quite
1: similar. But I know that, you know, a lot of the smaller boutique wineries, they might sure. not follow that um, structure.
0: Because of more direct-to-consumer exactly. type of distribution?
1: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that kind of goes for me, too. Most, uh, not most, everything pretty much is sold direct. Pure DTC. So my cost is a little bit, yeah, my margin's a little smaller than a bigger winery that produces, you know, tens of hundreds of right. thousands. Right, volume. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. That's cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, if you're thinking maybe eventually if you're growing and you're making. Uh, bigger production, and you do want to get it out into more of a mass, you know, um, to the mass public, then you would probably change your pricing structure. But yeah, I'm sure so, the same for apparel too. smaller boutiques or smaller brands might have smaller mar- margins just so they can make their wines more accessible. Right? Sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So from a distribution standpoint, like what are you looking at? Always through the website or yes, are you, you partnering you- with any big box stores ever? Is that even a goal of yours?
1: Yeah. Probably not at the, at the moment. No, just because my production is so small. Right. Um, I think it would be, yeah. Word of mouth through friends, you know, friends, family, um, through my wine club business, you know, in Asia. Sure. Um, I get a good amount of sales from that. Um, and then eventually I would like to get into, um, restaurants, maybe hotels, things like that. But I don't know if I would ever get into retail really. Right. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Just depends. If, yeah,
1: but the the quantities are so small right now
0: that yeah. So what kind of quantities are like if if you were to compare yourself to certain people, right? Yeah. Like how many cases did you produce last <laughs> year versus right. uh, um, whoever? So I. Trefethen, or you know, I don't know about Trefethen, but uh, or, or or just anybody that maybe we would have heard of, or um, you know, so Opus I, One, op- Camus, you know, oh, whatever. Oh, huge. Uh, yeah.
1: So, I only produced last year, the 2017 vintage Sauvignon Blanc, I only I only produced uh, 50 cases. That's it. 600, wow. 600 bottles. And that's the same with my Cabernet. Yeah. 50 cases, 600 bottles. Um, but 2018 Sauvignon Blanc, I doubled my production. Nice. To 100 cases, still not very much, and um, th- about 1,200 bottles. Whereas a lot of, you know, the... Be- I mean, the boutique wineries in Napa, they could range anywhere from like a 1,000 to like 10,000 cases, you know. Um, So
0: this is very synonymous with like an independent watchmaker where they're making 36, 50, 100 watches a year versus say a million like Mm -hmm. Rolex.
1: I mean, for me, this is what I could handle right now. Right. But yeah, like you said, maybe I think eventually I would like to increase my production. It would probably never be more than a 1,000 cases though annually, yeah.
0: No, it's primarily just you, right? At the helm? Yeah. That's amazing.
1: And I have a friend who's a winemaker as well, who helps me, Cale Anderson. Right. Um, He used to be the winemaker at Paul Meyer, Cliff Leedy. He went to UC Davis. I actually know his wife from Davis. Oh, no kidding. That's really cool. That's cool.
0: So what is is that kind of like too, you know, as far as like the creation process? Mm -hmm. Like maybe walk us through kind of... How do how did we get to the bottle state? Like what what were you looking for in, in Kazumi? Is is the story consistent with your cab as it is with the Blanc over here? You know,
1: pretty much. Yeah, um, I would say my goal was to basically make wine that you know I love that goes well with you know the kind of food that I like um, that expresses you know Napa like this kind of Sauvignon Blanc you you will you will not you probably wouldn't find you know over in France right um or new zealand but you know it's got big fruit juicy but at the same time it has nice acidity and you know it has a little bit of richness to it. and i feel like a lot of the napa new world wines are bigger fr- fruit forward right um but i wanted to add a little bit of um of i guess um body to it you know uh, that's why i decided to use um some neutral french oak um and for the cab, same thing, like it's basically making something that I love that I would love to share, you know, with, with my friends and family. Um, and you know, I was just really lucky to be able to get grapes from such a great vineyard. Yeah. Um, so I, it's, 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 I mean, wine mind ma- making is kind of magical, you know, if you have great grapes, you'll have pretty much great wine.
0: I was going to yeah. say like, w- one of the things I wanted to bring up to you just as, uh, a very amateur wine drinker, um, though I, I do love wine. Um, it's one of the few beverages that can certainly like transport you to a different time. And even though that may sound kind of cheesy, like I remember drinking bottles of wine very specifically, be it location, Mm -hmm. taste profiles, the food I ate, Mm -hmm. the people I shared it with. I don't get that with beer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, and, and sometimes with whiskey, I yeah. guess, if it's like a really special bottle yeah. or something yeah. like that, um, or if it's something uber expensive and, yeah. and somebody bought it for me or something like that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, wine has that way of taking, why do you feel like wine does that and other things don't?
1: Oh, oh gosh. We talk about this all the time. I mean, I feel like, cause wine it's, you know, it's, it's alive, you know, it's always, it's always evolving as well. Whereas I don't know, maybe with beer too, it's the same. I don't, I don't really drink that much beer. So I I haven't laid a beer down for 10 years (laughs) and drank it, (laughs) but whiskey, you know, I think the same could apply for whiskey, but, um, yeah, the fact that it does evolve and it does change over time, you know, right there, there's a story to it. And I think that's what makes, you know, wine so exciting. Like you open a bottle now, you buy a case of wine, you open one now, you open one six months from now, and then you open one two years from now and it changes and it evolves. And that right there is a conversation starter. And I think, you know, that's why wine, to me, <laughs> at least is so special. Yeah.
0: Sure. Well, it's funny because I, I had a very similar conversation with uh, our buddy Gabe mm-hmm. uh, yesterday drinking some wine um, down in Menlo Park down the street. Nice. Um, he has one of those wine lockers. Mm-hmm. And inside one of his lockers, he's got some wines that he and his wife bought at the time of their wedding. Nice. So they're drinking it at various anniversaries. Mm-hmm. And I was like, please tell me you're taking notes. I'm sure they are. He's not. Oh, interesting. So well, I mean, he drank yeah, the first mental notes. He drank the first so it was five year anniversary. Yeah. It was last year. Yeah. And so yesterday I was like, go buy a moleskin or a notepad of yeah. some variation and get a pen. And next time you guys do it at whatever, ten years and yeah. whatever. I have, have
1: notebooks, you. you know, full of sure tasting notes.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's very cool. The the funny thing about vintages to me is like I remember 2007 being a really big vintage for whatever reason back when north carolina where i grew up ended up working at a steakhouse locally Mm -hmm. that's kind of what got me into wine a little bit is just knowing how to serve it to our customers and i remember 2007 sticking out as a good year right from yeah from napa or california yeah all contingent weather weather you know yeah um the rainfall exactly the heat yeah. What 2007,
1: have 2012 are considered to be good years. Right. 12, actually, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, I mean, good wine, just very um, small amounts. Yeah.
0: But the, the interesting thing about vintage is why I brought it up was in 2007, I'm like mm. drinking this in 2009, 2010. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what the weather was like yeah. in 2007 because I'm not in the business. Is that something you're thinking about day in, day out? Like, are you eyes out the window oh wow like this not, is a crazy like crazy in, rainy season yeah, not
1: day in day out but yes you do think about it like this year you know similar to 2010 2011 you know and those weren't maybe the best you know like 2011 vintage wasn't considered like the best you know vintage for napa valley so you do think about it um and how it's going to affect you know the grapes and your wine um but you know right now it's hard to tell what it's going to be like come harvest right but sure. i mean, but even before that, um, there's, you know, important times where you don't want it to rain. Um, uh, like in the spring when the, 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 the vines are starting to flower, if it starts to rain, that's what happened in 2015, um, there was a lot of rain during that time and um, it knocked off a lot of the flowers on the vines, that's called shatter. And that's why a lot of wineries or vineyards were down about 40% of production.
0: No kidding. Things like that. So it it means, literally just got knocked off yeah, the vine.
1: Yeah. So, you know, there, there are things you have to think about um, throughout the year. Yeah. That's really Weather interesting. Weather is a big thing. And not just that fires. So oh, yeah. Last year. Going back to the wild 2017. Yeah. Um, it was crazy. So I was up in Napa when it happened. I was with my mother. And normally I wouldn't be there because it was I'm, I'm usually here in the city on the weekends, but um, uh, it was Sunday. But I was supposed to harvest my Cabernet Sauvignon the next day on Monday morning. Um, so I went up to Napa on Sunday and hung out with her. And then that's when the wildfires broke out. And, you know, I couldn't pick my grapes for a week because, you know, I mean, the fires were, blo- you know, roads were blocked. Like people can get up there. We couldn't get pickers up there. Um, you know, and luckily, my grapes were were not were not damaged by the smoke, but you know there are there some vineyards you know, where the grapes were smoke damaged or heat damaged or um you know, fire retardant was you know sprayed on them or whatever and they couldn't use it. yeah, it I would imagine
0: that would affect the taste profile. <laughs> oh you know I mean, that
1: you can't use it at all yeah. but but um, so those are things you have to think about now too, right? natural disasters uh, wildfires they're gonna I mean, they're saying it's gonna happen more and more now um
0: wind wind just arson like what's the how do you predict that really
1: i mean you can't really predict it right but it's just global warming right global i mean the climate change so you know i think next summer will be challenging i i think not just for napa but yeah for california again interesting and that's something to think about as well yeah
0: so that's really interesting because like when you're predicting things like that i mean I don't know. I I just when I'm talking to people, mm-hmm. all I can think about is the apparel industry and the accessories, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like, how, you know, I mean, I guess I don't really think of it on the level of cotton growth. Right. Like, yeah. so I'm not that deep. Yeah. Um, I'm only because fabrics are probably already made by the time I'm looking at mm-hmm. them, um, things like that. That's got to be really interesting as an approach to how do I plan my business around future events exactly, that you can't control and it's a prediction right it's yeah. not it's it's not weather fact it's a yeah. weather prediction yeah right so i gotta i gotta ask this question is every dinner a write-off no. can, can you just go out all the time <laughs> i know right you wish
1: <laughs> i wish but no <laughs> yeah
0: well travel is certainly important for standard h mm-hmm. obviously um what kind of role does travel play with with you
1: with me in with Kazumi Wines or? Yeah.
0: Yeah. For, just from a business perspective, do yeah. you travel to go taste wines in, say, Italy or yeah, Portugal? I mean, or... more for me personally. Yeah, sure. That. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's,
1: but I mean, I guess, I guess it all has to do with my job too. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, whenever I do travel somewhere new, I like to hit, you know, nice wine regions. Like I went to, Right last year I went to Australia, New Zealand. Um, and I, a part of it is because I wanted to scope out, you know, their, the wine regions over there. And same with, you know, in Europe. Um, I haven't been down to, you know, South America yet. I would love to do that as well. Um, Mendoza. Yeah. A little Malbec. I've been be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, actually a lot of my travel does evolve around like, oh, is, is there a good wine region by there? Right. You know, usually when there's, you know, good wine, there's good food too. And those are two things I love in Yeah, that I look for when I travel, yeah.
0: So what are some of your favorites, right? If it's not Kazumi, what are you drinking?
1: What am I drinking?
0: Yeah. What are your favorite wines?
1: Local? Uh, One of my
0: favorites. Or wherever. Um, Start with local.
1: Start with local. Um, Gosh, so many out there. I feel like I have to give some shout-outs to friends. (laughs) Uh, Do it. Well, I mean, I love um, Peiju Province Winery. Uh, Family's a good friend of mine as well. But um, they, uh, I mean... They've been around for over 30 years, um, but always great quality, and I think at um, a good price point as well. Their Sauvignon Blanc is amazing. I love their Cabernet Franc, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, Some smaller producers that people might not know, uh, there's this one producer called Coho, C-O-H-O. Only red wines, but everything he makes, uh, Gary Lip is one of the owners, um, is just divine, yeah great Pinot Noir, Merlot, um, they're Napa, Napa. These are all, yeah, Napa. Um,
0: so what makes him great?
1: Um, for me, I think it's just, um, a wine that has balance, um, and complexity, something that, you know, kind of makes you go, Hmm, like write notes, you know, continuous notes about that. Um, and also has a good price point. Right, you know, there's a lot of great wine out there, but you know, I, I can't pay four hundred dollars, you know, yeah. a
0: bottle. I mean, Napa too is known for being pretty pricey. Exactly. For those who don't know Napa mm-hmm. wines very well, or mm-hmm. even wine at all, yeah, what's the average price? What what's considered expensive in the Valley versus? Oh God, I'm, say like what what's cheap for Napa?
1: For Napa, yeah. So Napa is is going to be on the highest, probably the higher um, price range, you know, for the for the country. Um, sure. Uh, so cheaper, you know, you could find, I think, pretty good, you know, white wines from in the twenties, $20 range. Um, I mean that for some people might already be too much. Um, and then red wines, it depends what varietal it is, but I would say, yeah, anywhere 20 to 50 is kind of the lower. And I, and that's pretty, that's pretty high for, you know, the average consumer and then the high end goes from 100 you know 75 all the way up to
0: sky's the limit yeah 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 so obviously you're living in san francisco mm-hmm. and have been for seven, seven years, years? Yeah. what's life like
1: yeah so um i usually go up to i go to napa every week um but i since my parents live up there and have a home up there i stay with them instead of having to commute which is great it's awesome um so i'm usually up there half the week and then the rest i'm here in the city and i just work from home whenever, right when i'm here in san francisco
0: now, is that, are you into the web design? Are you into any of that stuff that's outsourced? No. You got a designer. Uh, How's your website work?
1: Uh, that I just did, did on my own. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah and sweet. just as my, for Kazumi Wines, the label, I designed the, well, the artwork. I did the watercolor painting. Um, no kidding. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, I did. That's awesome. So that that's going back to that question from before. I was able to use kind of my creative side, um, you know, mix it with the, my wine knowledge, uh, sure. For the packaging, and I, because I worked in design, I think it's important to have great packaging. Spend a little bit more, you know, add, a, put a little bit more attention to um, the details. Um, uh, so yeah, that all, that all I did on my own.
0: That's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. So three days out there, three four yeah. days, come back here, yeah. email central. Exactly. Yeah. Killer view, Head, by the way. The
1: headquarters here. Yeah,
0: we're here. We're here in her apartment, by the way, um, which has a pull-up bar in the doorway, oh, which yeah. which is awesome. Uh, Got to keep it healthy. Yep. And a, a great view of the bay. Frankly, playing any golf lately? No, I haven't. No That's golf. the
1: one. Th- it's hard, you know, trying to run family business, my own business. I, it's. Wait, come time.
0: on! You don't have enough to do. <laughs> I know exactly. Like I haven't
1: really, fun- and then I have a new puppy now. Right. Which he takes up a lot of my time. Sure. Um, You're so a parent. I-, I am a parent now. Yeah. Right. So I haven't really been no. golfing. Not not recently. unfortunately. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add? Anything else you got going on?
1: I have a new project on the way, but I can't really say much about it. It is okay. wine related. All right. Um, so that's exciting. Another new project um, so
0: maybe we'll post it to the instagram story when available exactly something like that yeah 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 that way uh, it doesn't get missed yeah awesome michelle this has been fantastic thanks. i learned a lot today
1: did you I <laughs> yeah don't know. i
0: did okay. actually i learned a ton today okay great i like i feel like i didn't know you at all before <laughs> but thank you for taking the time thanks it's this been is fun. great yeah cool well okay. until next time okay cheers all right cheers I'd like to thank Michelle one more time for having me over and taking the time to chat with me about her experience. Uh, It's truly special to see a good friend succeed and launch a business that she truly loves and enjoys. That's kind of what this podcast is, is really about, is chatting with these people that found a way to do what they love, and hopefully it'll encourage others to do the same and follow their passions. Please help the podcast by subscribing as well as rating the podcast. Uh, And of course, feel free to forward links to friends who may enjoy listening as well. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week.